Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast after a weekend where nothing of note happened, especially if you like comic book movies. Yeah, real dry spell. It's, you know, it's got me anxious to hear something, anything about anything. I mean, uh, they did announce the uh, Cosmo the Dog uh, miniseries. No, it's like the one thing they didn't, though. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I, I'm predicting ahead of time that that's going to be a character that catches on. I wouldn't be shocked. Or they're I mean, they're building up animals in like every other thing now, so they could easily do like an animal-centric spinoff at some point if they want to. The, the Animal Avengers movie is coming. Yeah, for sure. In, in phase seven. Um, as you can hear, uh, Miles is here. Hi. Uh, so we have a bunch of questions we're going to get to. And uh, then we will talk about Comic-Con. Um, we've both seen some films um, culminating in our, uh, as promised, chat about Nope that will involve spoilers. So um, we'll mention it several times before it starts. But if you're one of the people who has not seen it yet, keep in mind, we'll be talking about the ending, though, uh, in our defense, one is our show, so we do what we want. And two, literally every discussion about this movie has, within a day of its release, gone to spoiler territory and don't read on if you don't want to know or don't watch. You know, nobody has even pretended that you that any true discussion of the film doesn't go into what happens in the film. Yeah, exactly. It's, so, it's one yeah. of those films that you can't really get into it very much without getting into the specifics, even though there's yeah, not just, as many specifics to spoil, per se, as one might expect. No, I would say there's one thing you could say that would ruin it. Yeah. And not even ruin it. We're just There's one thing going in you would enjoy not knowing about this film. The rest of it is interpretations of the film that you need to have seen the film to understand and or have a good opinion about. A coherent opinion, I suppose. Exactly. Um, so, uh, first up, we're going to do some questions. Uh, several of them are sports and baseball related because the uh, Subway Series is going on at the time of this recording. Um, it will be over by the time you hear this. Um, the first game just ended. The Mets won. Woohoo. Um, Sarah, follow me. I'm Sarah at Twitter. Okay, Sarah. Thanks for like demanding, but no, we're kidding. We, we love Sarah. Uh, she asked, one, have you seen a documentary facing Nolan? If so, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm going to answer for Miles. No, he has not. Um, I did see a to, documentary this w- a weekend, though, that we can talk about in a little bit. That's true. Um, if so, what are your thoughts? Uh, Miles didn't see it. I've seen part of it a while ago, or I might be thinking of a different one. So I can't comment on it. Besides, um, part two is, is Nolan Ryan the best pitcher of all time? I, I would say no, but is definitely in the top 10. And I can go into detail on Twitter if you want, because Miles can contribute nothing to this conversation. So I, the, I don't even fully know that I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I will say I will I will go to sort of an aside and say, if you want another baseball documentary that's a little off center, there's one called Knuckleball that is very good. Uh, Miles, you might even like this because it's about a, a very strange pitch that um, some pitchers throw. Most of the time you grip the ball with three fingers. If you can kind of imagine like bunny ears plus your thumb is how a baseball player tends to throw the ball and where you put your hands on the ball changes what it does. Uh, or if you hold all five fingers, you're a child throwing the ball or that's a change up. There's a thing called a knuckleball where you literally hold it with your knuckles and kind of push it forward. Not really using the like power of your body in the same way. 
it's what happens when like your arm is destroyed from injuries and stuff like that. But there's been a couple of people who did it very well over the years and they tend to be weirdos. It just attracts a very specific type of person. So it was a very entertaining documentary. So I do recommend that as a uh, documentary related aside. Uh, cool. Kayfully 208 also has a baseball question. So sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll take a cue from Steve and uh, maybe go nap for a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, well, they ask who the uh, the MVPs of each league will be and the Cy Youngs for each year. So that's best hitter and best pitcher. Though MVP can be a pitcher. Um, AL MVP, I will say probably Aaron Judge. NL MVP, Paul Goldschmidt. AL Cy Young, um, Shane McClanahan, the, the Rays guy. And NL Cy Young, I... Do not know who's real. I don't know. I'll, I'll be a homer and say Edwin Diaz, the Mets closer, even though I'm sure there's a pitcher who's just destroying it right now. I'm not thinking of Tony Gonsolin, maybe. Oh, or Sandy Alcantara. Miles is nodding off screen. I'm not even doing that much. You might as well be speaking Spanish right now. That's true. Who makes the World Series? I'll say the Mets play the Mariners. I'll just say they get maybe Juan Soto and go on a run. I know everyone wants me to say Mets Yankees or we'll say I'm a Yankee hater because of it. I just... I like the off-kilter kind of matchup. And more specifically for me, because these other ones weren't just specifically for me, who would you rather the Mets get Aaron Judge or Juan Soto? Uh, Juan Soto, he's seven years younger and better. Not that Aaron Judge isn't also great. I think we might be done with with baseball stuff now. Oh, that was fast. I I figured I would get it done as as quickly as possible for you. Um, Let me find the other questions. I believe we have more than just that. But they were a it was more than one baseball one, so I wanted to make sure that I uh I got them through for you. Okay. The other ones are we have a Ryan McDermott one, and I want to see if there was another one before I do that. Since okay, let's see. In the meantime, how about you tell me about the documentary you watched so we don't have dead air? Sure. Uh so over the weekend, uh in addition to Nope, I also saw a little documentary called Fire of Love. Uh, it's a National Geographic thing, and it's basically about these two volcanologists who uh, fell in love and decided to commit their entire lives to studying and being on erupting and active volcanoes. And they filmed pretty much everything they did. There's hours and hours of footage. So it's kind of stunning some of the shots they were able to get, just like all the stuff of like, you know, erupting chunks and rivers of lava and just it. it really does a good job of capturing the beauty of it and helping you to understand why these people would love it so much that they would, you know, devote their lives to it and devote their relationship to it. Um, Like, as far as you can tell from watching it, like, maybe they had a house or like an apartment or something, but they were almost never there because they're just constantly traveling to the next active volcano site. And um, it's really, really a lovely little film. It's uh, it, it looks great. Uh, it's got a, a tender little love story. It, like the scientific aspect of it is like it's fascinating without like devolving into like detail based gobbledygook. Like it's very accessible. Yeah. Um, since it's not Geo, I have to imagine it'll be on Disney Plus at some point before the end of the year. But uh, it's definitely Probably. one that uh, I would recommend if you're in the mood for uh, a documentary that's more visually than mentally stimulating. <clears throat> cool. Um, I will quickly bring up I Revisited Robocop. Oh. Uh-huh. And one, always fun. But I had not seen it in just long enough that I forgot how, like, it's an orgy of violence. Oh my god, that movie is hilariously violent. 
Like, it feels like I, a trauma I mean, yeah. movie at times. I mean, there is one scene in particular that is literally the Toxic Avenger. Yeah. But, um, which is the scene I always remember, because how often do you see a melting man explode? Not often enough these days. This is true. I, I was explaining this to someone who hadn't seen the movie. Um, and it's just, it's hard not to be, like, giggly when you're describing that movie, because it's so well done. First of all, when you're just like, well, the guns just blow people up half the time. Like, like the when was it Bob, right? The guy that uh, the dad from that 70s show goes to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like shoots him in the leg like four times. And just his like the the amount of like blood packs they have exploding out of these. This guy's leg is hilarious. Or when they shoot um, Murphy at the beginning and they're just just, like laughing. And there's there's two beats in it that it's like this is squibs, the motion picture. It's the bit where Murphy gets like just torn to shreds by like all the bullets in the world. And then I also always think of uh, the guy in the boardroom when they're testing out Ed 209 and he just gets, he just gets riddled. Oh my God. It's so fun. Also what a world that they're just like, well, one of the like top 10 people, this company just got murdered. Um, Somebody else just got promoted. (laughs) Yeah. Moving right along. This is an opportunity. Um, This is how awards radar is going to work from now on. I think. Um, No, I also that, and obviously the, um, What's which is the gangster's name who turns into the mutant? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Is, is it, I is it Ray names. Wise or No, it's not. It's the no. other guy. It's um it's the guy who's who's the bolder looking of the two. Yeah, I don't remember uh, the He's the one who's name, watching who you mean. If you remember when they when they get those very, very fake looking, like just destructing those guns that blow things up essentially. And they decide yeah. to just play around with them in the street. He's in like his van watching the I'll buy that for a dollar guy, which also leads to that amazing <laughs> line. There was a Twitter bot for a long time that would respond with that if you ever said it. And I used to just do it once in a while. Um, and, but yeah, he gets he drives into a vat of toxic waste and like starts melting and turning into this monster. And uh, he gets run over by the bad guy and explodes like cut in half and explodes. It's well, he it's basically glorious. just like his body just completely turns to red liquid. Like there's not even any distinguishing features. It's just paste everywhere. I, I, I want to find the script one day just to know what it said in the script. If it said that or if Verhoeven was like, you know what? What if he just fucking explodes? Listen, I, it's probably a little column A, a little bit. Verhoeven, especially in that era, was very good about like taking moments like that and just embellishing them and giving them just a little bit more pizzazz than they might <laughs> usually get in a genre thing like this. My other favorite part of that of the making of that is they didn't he didn't know. Uh, that the movie was a satire. Oh, totally. He like he read the first two pages and was like this. I don't want to do this. This is awful. It was his wife who read it and was like, "No, this is this is you. This is a you movie." Like, just read it thinking it's funny. I don't or I don't remember exactly what the wording was, but like, read it this way. And then he kind of got it because also I think at the time his English wasn't very good. Sure, so he read it with like a dictionary. So way to you know suck out all of the the satire from that kind of thing. In the same way that I guess people probably took Starship Troopers seriously, incorrectly. Oh, my God. Well, I was reading uh, – I can't remember. This is a couple years ago. But um, there was an article on, I think, Screen Rant that was just like, this is all the hidden meaning that you didn't know was in Starship Troopers. And it's like, you got to be pretty dense to watch Starship Troopers and not immediately pick up on all the fascist allegories. Like, Neil, T- Neil Patrick Harris is literally dressed like an SS officer. Yeah, like at a certain point – if you're not getting it, you're just not a part of that story. Yeah. So 
Um, yeah, enjoyed that as always. We can. Oh, if we're if we're going to talk about uh, dumb action things real quick, just because I don't sure. have a lot to say about it, uh, I did watch The Gray Man on Netflix, and it Good. is Solid. yeah, it's fine. It's not the worst movie ever. It's not great. It's not reinventing anything. Every single actor in it is like criminally underused and mostly like just you know there's no reason for any one of them to to be in a project that demands this little of them chris evans is having fun fun. but that's like the highlight i I will say this gosling is convincing as the action hero more so than i expected it does look like it's him doing more of the stunts and like the fighting than i would have expected there's some embarrassingly bad cgi throughout especially like the train and uh plane crash kind of that kind of action um the the practical stuff is a lot better than the cgi in that movie yeah although it is like horrendously over edited like some of the beats are a little less comprehensible than they need to be i'm thinking of like that one fight he has early on where they're like in the row of like pipes that like have fireworks coming out of them or something yeah that that and it's like that scene and it's like there's fireworks and there's rapid editing happening at the same time and it's just like oh god i think i'm gonna throw up but it settles yeah that that didn't that didn't work as well as i would say like was it Prague where they have the shootout where he's chained, where he's um, like handcuffed? That worked better with the editing, I thought. Yeah. Because you're One, supposed to kind of be like it's the whipping sm- your head back and forth. Exactly. Well, and it's the smaller beats uh, from an action standpoint that stand out. Like prior to the firework bit, there's a bit where like there's like lots of noise and like, you know, all this stuff. There's like a big party happening and he's just walking through the crowd and he's like silently taking guys out one at a time, like following yeah, the main guy and his posse and like nobody's noticing for a little bit. Like stuff like that is pretty cool. Because he's James Bond. It's American Bond. It's that's exactly what it is. Or like it's not. Or like John Wick Light or something like that. Yeah, it's it's trying to traffic in that world, and I think it does a, a solid job. I think the thing is, it's not um, reinventing the wheel. It's not. It doesn't have a take on action. No, or like I, spy I think, stories or anything that it's really no dealing it's, with. It's it's what if it's what if the movie your dad likes got a giant budget. Well, and, yes and, and no, because it, it, it has a giant budget, but it doesn't look like it has a giant budget outside of like, I mean, I mean, obviously the talent and the locations, but like, if you know that much of your budget is going towards those things, maybe scale back some of the action sequences so that they don't look as embarrassing as they do in certain points. Yeah, they could have, they could have certainly, I think, well, I think a fair amount of it is on the screen because I would say the director's pine I'm sorry, the director's Gosling, Evans, um, you know, there's. It's on the screen in terms of the people who are being paid. But like, so you have two hundred million dollars. If you know that like one twenty of that is going towards like talent behind and in front of the camera, then maybe don't also try and have like a giant action sequence on a crashing plane. And like, you know, like like Gosling, like running along like a crashing bus like stuff like that is like maybe there's like a more economical way to do that considering this is what you have left over to do that with i mean i mean especially when the more economical versions are better the the fight in the hospital well exactly Um, it's the smaller stuff that's or like the last fight with gosling and evans like it's just a a little punch up in a fountain yeah that's great like like the stuff like that works the best but then you get into this like giant like wannabe fast and furious mission impossible stuff and there's just not the resources there to make that look as good as it needs to yeah that that feels like 
or that feels like the rewrite stuff because I I believe it's that this they've been thinking about this movie for a while because the book is not particularly new, and then post um, Avengers, this was their like big deal with Netflix, and I believe there was another draft or two drafts. There was a couple of extra drafts, and I wonder if maybe the deal with Netflix was you get this money, but we want this much more action, you know, percentage yeah. more, however they, however they do it. Cause you can well, tell they want it to be a franchise and it obviously leaves and the it door is. open I mean, for the sequels that just got greenlit today. I, mean, I believe, I believe there is a, there is a follow-up, a sequel which, and a spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the spinoff can be anything. Yeah. You know that who knows Chris, um, Chris Evans prequel if they're smart. Cause he's the best part of it. I mean, that would be interesting. I, I do wish he got to be a little crazier, but that was still, this is a mainstream movie. They're not going to let him be a complete monster. No, totally. And, you know, yeah, all that stuff is fine. But, like, yeah, like, the, people the, like... I, like, I actually prefer... Uh, people like Gosling and Ana de Armas and Bill Bob Thornton, they're just, like, hilariously overqualified for a movie like yeah. this. And they've all I been so it, much better in other things. But And it's cool to see them together. But, like, then you get, like a Jessica Henwick or a Regé Jean Page who are like just sitting around in like offices the yeah, whole they, movie not doing anything. They they seem to have signed on for part two, if I had to I, guess. Yeah, that might make more sense. I also, I, I know, I don't want to get into the business of like, you know, it would be better if it was a different movie. But at the same time, you hear about this cast and you hear like the basic log line. I kind of would have, preferred like a smaller scale like spy versus spy or like a you know like one of the early born movies like maybe with a little bit of the first john wick flair to it yeah or more more of them this didn't need to be a wannabe tom cruise vehicle like it could have it could have i mean dialed a lot of that back and it could have also dialed back the quippiness especially with gosling i I, I thought that i did like laid on i thought it got laid on a bit thick over time like it, it was just so that I liked. Yeah, but I think that character would have been more memorable with because, le- like, on the one hand, they want him to be like you know the stoic, you know, oh, I've killed people for decades, and you know he's yeah. like he's on the run, and he's questioning his allegiance, but also he's like doing gags every five minutes, and it just the, I mean, the two ideas don't really gel. I mean, Gosling still sure makes it work, a, but I don't know yeah. that 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 feels sure there's a smoother that feels smoother like a leftover. Yeah, that feels like a leftover from the Russo's time with Marvel. Could be. I did really like his, like, the two things I really liked about it. Some of the quippiness was whatever. I really like the exhaustion. Like, I kind of like that he's just, like, beat from this entire experience. That which you don't, that was a nice moment of, like, you don't usually see that. Yeah, I think they could have played that up more, but I did like it. I think they should have. And then I did like his kind of remark about, like, you know, you keep saving me. I feel a little emasculate. Like there was a nice, there was a small commentary on like the the slight reversal there of like she comes to his aid repeatedly in the movie, and he yeah, doesn't really that, save that, anyone. That's like kind of all she does. <laughs> she just yeah, like she I mean, shows up every thirty minutes and saves him from something, and then disappears. She also feels like a she also feels like a rewrite of like we really need like another character. We need him to be with someone, which I think maybe the earlier version of the movie was more him on his own probably more encounters with his his counterpart and a little bit more serious. I mean, it's still it's still solid. I will say most people will not see it that way, but I saw it in a theater and it does it does play better in a theater, I'm sure. With like just the immersive and like the sound is overwhelming, you know. 
Sure. It, it might it might shield a little bit from the like, I've seen this. Yeah, it's again like, you know, there's a lot of things I can nitpick. But at the end of the day, it's totally fine. It's totally watchable. Enough of the action beats are like interesting or engaging that like it, it kind of smooths over and like it's totally digestible. It's inoffensive. If you're looking yeah. for like a turn your brain off action movie, this is perfect. Exactly. That works. Um yeah, let's go on to uh, Ryan McDermott's uh, film Hog Face-Off. Um, initially said he was going to do Daniel Kaluuya films, then said, didn't I do this before, and realized that basically on the Keith episode we did that. I was about to um, say, I'm sure we had. <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, oh, we could have done like, maybe like a spoilery film thing. He said, that's just Shyamalan's filmography at this point. Which we've also done. Yeah, so I, I totally am, am fine with what he came up with, which is John Carpenter films. Oh, so first up, Escape from New York or Big Trouble in Little China. So I have the opinion that with a few tweaks, these are basically the same movie. The difference is I I was I was worried you were going to say that Escape from L.A. is better. No, I do not think that nobody should think that. Um, I the difference is. Big Trouble in Little China is a lot more self-aware and a lot yes. more fun. Uh, it's one of my favorite Kurt Russell performances. It's just so big and bombastic. It might actually be my favorite Carpenter movie, I, if I think about it. Definitely top three. Um, mm. Escape from New York I like. I probably saw it a little late, and I saw it after Big Trouble, so I couldn't help but see Kurt Russell in a mullet and going on this mission and just so many of the beats in like this exotic place with a colorful cast of characters. And like it's obviously a much grimmer sort of, you know, more I guess more realistic just by comparison. But um yeah. it just didn't have that quite that same fun, and also he clearly, you know was scrapping together a budget, you know, with what, or he had a tiny budget and he was making it work the best he could. But like, you can see the seams a bit more. And I also think the Snake Plissken character is a lot more bark than bite. Like, he looks badass and you feel like he should be badass, but he doesn't actually do that many badass things. Mm. He's just kind of there and he like takes part in things or I don't know. I like Big Trouble because it seems like it's a similar character, but the movie's in on the joke of, oh, he's actually super incompetent, and the guy who would be the sidekick in another movie is actually the hero. So, yeah. Um, long-winded way of saying I'm going Big Trouble. Um, I agree. I like Escape from New York a fair amount. Um, I was tempted to go the opposite just to mix it up, but you sold me, actually. Um, by the way, Escape from New York is still getting a remake. Yeah, well, and supposedly which, so is Big Trouble with The Rock, which is a yeah. terrible idea, but we'll see what happens. No, that won't that that won't work as well. Um, this could work. I'm glad it's not the original remake from like 15 years ago. Well, isn't uh, Lee Winnell was, working on it? Well, he's the most recent one. He and uh, Robert Rodriguez, I think, were the more recent uh, talent involved, even though like, I don't know about like Charlie Hunnam or whoever they were talking about for the, for the lead. Um, he um, could work. He's good in some things. I mean, Charlie Hunnam and Gerard Butler. I was like, well. Well, Gerard Butler's uh, less. But you look at Charlie Hunnam in like Lost City of Zed or The Gentleman or stuff like that. He, yeah. he can have a certain he can have a certain style to him. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm mostly just happy that um, they're at least going with like a grittier filmmaker because. Sure. Do you remember who the initial 
remake was going to be helmed by. Remind it's going to make a lot of sense when you hear. Think of who would get a, a big budget, have no personality to bring to the role, probably a nice guy though, and um, can keep to a budget and basically did a similar soulless remake Follow when that one fell apart. <sighs> I give up. Len Wiseman. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. no, that's nothing. Well, we saw Total Recall. We know what happens. Yeah, I guess so. God, yeah, uh, I guess so. Yeah, that there was, was a time that where would you be, just gave him. Yeah. That, that'd be so devoid Not, of personality. Yep. Uh, Christine or The Fog? Um, These are both ones that I saw like years and years ago and haven't ever come back yeah. to. I think I like the idea of Christine more than the execution. In the film, it's more goofy than anything else. Um, it's got its moments, but I think the fog is more effectively creepy throughout. Fair. I might go Christine. I, part of me is I just, the, the remake of the fog is so bad. Well, sure, but that's not uh, the original's fault. I know, but it just, it hovers in my mind a little bit more. Uh, but no, I, I, they're both fine. I'll go Christine though. Starman or they live. Uh, Starman is fun. It's very not carpenter like yeah you know it's his music of the heart yeah it's a very like it's still you know you can see his fingerprints on it but it's very different than what he usually goes in for uh they live is amazing though i would i would go as far as to call it a masterpiece for what it's doing um you know roddy piper's just you know (laughs) like if he never did another movie that would be a perfect yeah exactly like you know that is a character that has stood the test of time you know the fight scene with him and keith david where they just keep pounding on each other and then getting up and fighting again and getting up and and just the visuals and just you know the analogies that still hold up today yeah they live all the way yeah same um can't can't argue that starman's good though um also shout out to john carpenter for essentially retiring to smoke pot and play video games oh my god like talk about a fucking (laughs) legend like that's if i do anything of note in my career that's how i want to retire yeah, and then periodically shows up to be like, "What are you guys doing with Halloween?" Sure. Well, fine. well, he has the best. Uh, he has the best quote ever. Is like, "I love it when they remake one of my movies. I open out of my a hand and a check falls in it." Yeah, it's he's he's got the right attitude. Uh, Prince of Darkness or In the Mouth of Madness? Um, Prince of Darkness is interesting. I don't know that it completely works. It's got a lot of ideas. And some of them are more compelling than others. And it's also, for all the ideas it has, it is it does somehow devolve into just a bunch of people wandering around a warehouse slowly getting picked off one by one kind of format, which yeah. it feels like it it has bigger aspirations than that. Um, but In the Mouth of Madness, I think, is one of his most underrated movies. Like, that one has a real vision to it. It probably translates Lovecraftian visuals and concepts to the screen better than most movies I can think of. I love Sam Neill in it. That was one where the ambition is, like, just like just barely, but it is in keeping with the execution. So, Mouth of Madness yeah. for me. That's true. I don't have a good memory of Prince of Darkness, so I have to go Mouth of Madness. Um I do know that I remember that it was like those two and the thing were supposed to be his like 
we're all doomed kind of trilogy. Well, yeah, like a loose, like, apocalypse trilogy of sorts, yeah, which, yeah. like, doesn't hold up to any level of scrutiny, but it's like, no, you know, no, 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 it's one of those Cornetto style thematic trilogies more than anything. But even then, you could book any random three films in his filmography and make the same claim. Totally. Before we do the last one, um, since you've enjoyed this too much, um, Vampires or Ghosts of Mars? John Carpenter's Vampires or John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars? Jesus. Which I, by the way, have seen both. <sighs> I think I probably have seen Ghost of Mars. I couldn't tell you anything about it. (laughs) I remember that Ice Cube is in it. Ice Cube's in it Um, and Statham is in it before he was a bigger star. And it always felt like, and I know they're not anywhere near the same time. It's not anything like it, but reminds me of like the first, was it, um, what's the one with, uh, with, uh, Vin Diesel and the, and the night, um, Oh, the last witch hunter. No, no, no. The one. Oh, uh, pitch black. Pitch black. I want to say like, Pitch darkness, the same thing, where it's Ooh. just like, there's not a huge budget going on here. I mean, this Ghost of Mars is zombies on Mars. Yeah. But, um, I, I will say, before you go a little further, it is, it's bad. But there's a little bit more fun to be had than, like, vampires, which, come on, John Carpenter's vampires, like a Western vampire horror film, should have been fucking amazing. <sighs> This might be one of those where I'll see if I can pick neither, because, like, they're both bad for different reasons. Like, vampires... ambition. Yeah, vampires should be a home run, but it just, like, the execution is just weirdly not there. And I think, like, beyond the issues I have with James Woods as a person, he's kind of completely unconvincing as this character. Um, Yeah. Ghost of Mars is, like... It's less ambitious and more ambitious at the same time. It's weird. I don't know. I guess it's, it's when you could tell he was like, I think I'm done. Yeah, I think Ghost of Mars feels like it's done a bit more on autopilot, whereas Vampires yeah. is like the last dregs of he's trying something. Mm. Side note to that, his final film directed The Ward or the Wes Craven um, Cursed. Just thinking of like among their last films where it was like, oh, no, they're done. Which one is Cursed? I don't even know if I remember. Cursed is his werewolf movie. Oh. Wes Craven. Uh. Is that, it may not be his last one. It might it's be not. One after that. He's a, he had a few oh, I'm, after I'm that. not counting Scream 4. Um, even though, oh, so you know what, we'll do, there's, uh, what's, we won't what's do the Cursed. one? We'll, My Soul to Take. My Soul That's to Take. That's the one I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're both bad. So yeah. Out of those three, I would probably go Cursed. I think, I, think, at least, I think the ward is like fine, but it doesn't feel like a Carpenter movie to me. Yeah. It feels like anyone could have made that around the same time. Sure. Um, okay. Well, you've been good. So yeah. go ahead. You want to wrap up that one? Oh, no. I, those I are not movies so. that have any that require any more airtime. No, no. But you've been good. So now you get Halloween or the thing. <sighs> Man. I mean, yeah, arguably two of his best. Um I mean, the thing, you know, if Psycho and Black Christmas sort of started the slasher genre, Halloween's where it really solidified it and, you know, popularized it. Um, mm. It's amazing how tense that movie still is, despite the fact that it's, like, hilariously cheap in parts. Um, the thing, though, man, there's something about it. I think it probably still has the best practical visual effects that have ever been put to film. Um, you got Kurt Russell and Keith David, you got a great little ensemble of men yelling at each other and just, 
the thing is so creative. Halloween is iconic and, you know, it started a franchise that's had more misses than hits, but there's still some good stuff in there. I think I'm going to go the thing. Um, you're, you're right. I will go Halloween, but they're clearly his two best films without question. Um, side question to that Halloween remake or the thing remake? Uh, the Thing remake, because the Halloween remake is like one of the most offensive movies I've ever watched. Which one are you talking about, though? The Rob Zombie one. Well, that's right. the only remake. Everything else is that's some fair. vague form of sequel or spinoff. I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah, 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 that's fair. Um, the the David Gordon Green Halloween above. I wouldn't call that a the thing remake. No, that's no, that's it's a sequel. Halloween. It's, that's Halloween, too. Yeah, um, which is why like it's infuriating that it's just called Halloween, because now there's three different movies called Halloween and decades yeah. apart. <clears throat> How and I I used to go to bat for the Halloween remake a little bit, but it it it, it one did not hold up. I think at the time we were just kind of like didn't have a slasher movie in a long time. So it scratched like an itch. Nah, and not I always for me. Feel like, I hated it from the beginning. Well, you know what it is, is I, I don't know that I've ever full on liked a Rob Zombie movie, but I keep seeing like these hints of like, you you, sh- you know what it is? He's not getting better as a filmmaker. And that's well, if you look at the Munsters trailer, it looks like he's getting like significantly worse like that. I've seen yeah. student films that look better than whatever that is. I mean, it is, it's possible that that is an aesthetic choice. Yeah, so, but even but even even with that generous of a guideline, it still looks fucking rough. Oh no, no, it looks awful. Um, to the point where I'm now more curious about it because I'm just like I I need to like, like is, know what's going on here. Is that going to be this year's Cats? Is that going to be the one kind where of. it's like so fascinating and how bad it is that it becomes a different kind of event? Maybe. I wonder. The problem is you can't ever do that on purpose and make money. Like. Oh no! Trying to make money by being bad, it never works. Well, it's organically bad. Nobody would ever call Cats a financial success of any kind well, whatsoever. I mean, they spent more money on cat anuses than we will ever see in our lifetime. Yeah, which is its own its own thing. I don't know, you know that I've ever it? heard you say a more depressing but accurate thing. That's true. <laughs> yep, this is our lot in life. Um, Rob Zombie is also depressing, just because House of a Thousand Corpses has such a like. It's such a mess. But has the spark of like, ooh, this could be like a horror filmmaker to watch out for. Like it makes it, – it just it doesn't work. But there's individual things where you're like, wow, you do cruelty well in a way that like – I don't know that yeah. that's like beneficial. I, but well, but he just keeps going back to the same well and I just find it exhausting. Yeah. It's not pleasant. Well, I don't care about the family. Yeah. Well, I, I, Devil's Rejects family. is better I think. That's, it's, that's it's, his best movie because it's at least like – aesthetically interesting yeah well and it feels a little more assured it feels like he got enough money to make like the kind of grungy mo- horror movies that were coming out around that time but it's still not amazing lords of salem i kind of admire because it's got a certain ambition to it and a certain visual creativity to it even if it's completely incoherent but uh yeah. everything else is just garbage well, and, and the I, halloween so films I... in particular i just find like almost well, unwatchably bad well i thought the first halloween was was fine the thing is it has no personality anyone could have made that movie uh, that no was, it, it has his personality all over it and i've found out that i hate his personality see i felt that way about two two when, is like, two okay, is more his personality for sure yeah. but one's still like 
it's you know it's fucking rednecks talking about dicks all day long and it's well yeah he does it, love that, that. that mean-spiritedness is very yeah. prevalent throughout that's true and like three from hell is is not good who cares and 31 is like his version of almost like a saw movie they're they're just they're not great um you know what it is? There's like a moment in almost every film where you're like, oh, okay, cool. Take that and run with it. Like I, I will – I do maintain that as much as Halloween 2 sucks or largely sucks, um, the the kill he has with um, um, Danny Trejo is really good actually when uh, – I don't know if you remember. I don't. But he <laughs> – I've tried to block them out. This is. I am thinking of this movie, right? It, I, well, I thought Danny Trejo was in the first one. Is it the first one? But I, I remember because he, he's like the sympathetic orderly or something, right? Yeah. That, okay, then it is the first one. Oh, yeah. God, so there's nothing in the second one. It's just the first one. The first one has that moment where he's like, "I was good to you, Mikey," and like gets killed anyway. And I kind of like as much because it made me feel something for a second. And you're like, "Oh, yeah. I guess that's effective." I I hate you now because of this, but okay. Well, um, that, I, yeah. I'll always remember that as the movie where, like, they have to bend over. If for some reason, he's insistent on making Michael vaguely, like, sympathetic to the point yeah. where he has to bend over so far backwards that he has to have, like, one inmate, like, burst into Michael's cell and try and rape another inmate right in front of him and then have Michael kill that guy just so he seems like the best guy in that scenario. But, like, yeah, fucking hell, that's miserable to watch. Yeah, well, that's that's the problem. So much of what he does is miserable to watch in the way that I think prevents him from working. Whereas I would argue, you know, we've talked about um, Eli Roth, like Eli Roth has a joy to his filmmaking. Well, that's exactly right, because his his stuff is, you know, it has a reputation for being gruesome and grisly. And it is. But there's a sense of fun and like humor and like silliness pervading. Like you look at Cabin Fever, especially or both hostile films. There's a real sense of fun and playfulness, even, you know, throughout all the, you know, gore and screaming with the zombie stuff. It's just like people screaming at each other and talking about dicks all day. Yeah, it, it's the I don't necessarily need deeper meaning, but I don't think he has deeper meaning. No. And that's that's I guess disappointing is the right word to use because you just you want your filmmaker to have a little more going on and like, you know, more power to him. And maybe the monsters will just be his like fun lark and, and go for it. But yeah, not 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 for me. Um, speaking of larks, um, let's talk about Comic-Con. Yay! Before we get into into Nope, which was a, a pretty cool event. Um, I don't know that I'm ever going to go. Actually, actually, that'll lead me to an aside of um, film festivals before we get to Comic-Con. But to that end, would you sooner go to a film festival or Comic-Con? Let's say you were presented with the option. Financially neutral. Yeah, if, it's, if money-wise, of all things being even, I would probably still do the festival because I think I would mm. get more out of it. Comic-Con, it's too much previews for stuff coming up and i don't like the idea of like waiting in line and also you know i'd feel compelled to like you know dress up in some way and then you're like sitting around in your sweaty costume and like you're you know bunched in together with a bunch of nerds some of whom are way too excited for some kind of middling trailers i like the idea of comic-con i love that it exists i like like following it and seeing all the trailers and stuff but i can do that from the comfort of my home whereas a film festival i want to be because I've been to a few, like I went to the Chicago yeah. International uh, back when I was in college there, and it's great because you just get a lineup of things and like, 
you know, if you're clued in like we are to sort of the buzzy stuff, then you can seek that out or you can find something completely new and random. But, hey, that's got a person I like in it or, oh, this is an interesting concept. And just there's there's more room for discovery and excitement sure. there. Whereas Comic-Con, you know, there's announcements. You're part of the machine. Yeah, exactly. It's all it's all coming soon. I thought about it because, you know, I am the business, so there's nothing stopping me besides like, do I want to like put resources to that? And yeah, it's just I Comic-Con will be fun. And like we're going to talk about stuff we're excited about, but it would be fun if you could just float there. Like if you got like the all access, like your special pass, I could just kind of do what you please. Yeah. Like having to interact with it in a way that everyone does, because that's the way the world works. And we're not saying we should be special, but does. Yeah, it does feel like you're among like a different crowd you know it's like it's the equivalent of like going to like a fan screening of something where you're just like "Ah, i i i don't mind that you're predisposed to like this but i kind of want to be around the people like waiting to see what happens as opposed to like fulfill my already set expectations which we saw we'll talk about some comic-con stuff like the world of dc people who were convinced because of a vague rumor that they were going to get superman and then we're pissed they didn't get Superman. Like, that just seems less fun. Um, yeah, well, this- I think there's also something to be said for, um, like, I've been to, like, comic conventions before. Nothing on that scale. Sure. But, like, I almost feel like a smaller one is a bit more fun because then you can just, you go and you look at the different booths and panels and people are selling stuff. And you can get some artwork or some, you know, some cool things. Like, you can admire the costume stuff. Comic-Con feels like... Or, yeah, like the big Comic-Con feels like such a, I don't know, not not like a corporate product necessarily, but it's all much more, it's more of a machine that you're stuck inside of as opposed to something like I've been to, you know, like Megacon or like Spooky Empire or places like that. And uh, it's a bit more free flowing and you can just kind of like, you know, it, there's people there, but it's not like overwhelming. That's fair. Um, I... Uh... You know, listen, I, I I do film festivals pretty mainstream, I would say, for the most part. I, I, I don't seek out a ton of stuff beyond the stuff I know about, but that's that's to some degree the, you know, I'm there to get in on the ground floor of the award season stuff. So it limits things a little bit there. But yeah, there is something really fun about discovering a movie at a festival. And it doesn't happen a ton. You know, a lot of times it's, it's going to be the thing that you think it is, but it is, uh, you know, it's fun. Both, both I think can be fun. Both can be annoying and exhausting. And listen, I'm going to Toronto and, uh, and tell your ride and they could both be amazing. They could both be awful. You know, I'm going to be exhausted and, and poor, but you hope that what you're getting out of it outweighs that. And and I think sometimes maybe it's just harder to tell with comic guy, unless you're a huge fan of something and you just want to go and indulge your fandom, then that's a whole other story. Right. Exactly. That's how I kind of see it. Yeah. So let's talk about comic Con for a minute. There'll be plenty more to say about film festivals, um, including when I'm at both of them. Uh, Toronto, I believe will be up. will be, uh, revealing their lineup soon Venice just revealed their lineup so some of those things will be up there uh tell right obviously doesn't reveal their lineup until you get there but you can you can read into the wording of some of these things and, and figure out what's playing where we'll we'll do that in the next 
handful of weeks when we have that. But um, Comic-Con, what did they have? Uh, Miles has the, the main highlights. Um, I know they did a like fan screening of Prey. I saw that um, yesterday as we recorded this. It's good. It's uh, it's lean and mean and kind of exactly what you think it's going to be based on the trailer. It, it delivers what it promises and not a ton more than that, but that's that's cool considering how poorly handled the Predator has been handled over the years. So uh, color me uh, very satisfied there. But what else did they have besides Prey? Um, so obviously Marvel and DC, as they do most years, you know, kind of sucked up all the oxygen in the room. I will say because, you know, Comic-Con obviously took a major hit with the pandemic. So after yes. a, uh, two years where they kind of had dismal showings and also like really got shown up by DC fandom and D23, it was nice to see a Comic-Con that was a bit more on form and had a bit more to show off. Um, the biggest thing probably that wasn't either of the two big comic companies was, um, we got a, a much better look and a first trailer for, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, um, which looks fun. It looks, uh, you know, a bit more lighthearted, uh, which is good because we saw what happened when you take a movie like that seriously and it ends up being so boring that one of the actors has to like go insane to inject any kind of enthusiasm into it. Hmm. You know what I'm surprised they didn't have? And maybe I just missed it. But did they have anything for um, Eli, Roth, Eli Roth's um, Borderlands movie? That seems like it would have been. Um, I think they're still putting that together. I don't think that's out till like later next year. So they probably didn't have anything ready yet. Because I, I want to say it like maybe only just recently wrapped filming. So they probably and maybe. I imagine it's pretty effects heavy. So it's probably just yeah, not just as far like along. A- they might just seem like a thing that might have been there. Yeah, no, it could have been. I mean, maybe next year. Who's to say? Yeah. Um, it, well, I don't know if that has a release date yet. But no, you're right. That would have been a thing. But uh, no movement yeah, on it enough. yet. Um, the best part of the Dungeons and Dragons panel was listening to Hugh Grant talk about how he's never played D&D before. And like it kind of terrifies him because I guess he bought into the satanic panic of it back in the day. Yeah. Um, but also that he said he uh, signed on to it because the script reminded him of Monty Python, which is <laughs> kind of a good way to do it for me. Yeah, no. Well, and it's again, compared to the other version that we got, which is very much generic fantasy stuff here, we get a lot of stuff that's much more specific to D&D. Like you get a gelatinous cube, you get mimics, you get an owl bear. You all the main characters seem to fit into the, like the different classes I love that Chris Pine is the lead and he's a bard. Like he's not like a, you know, warrior, like something more traditional. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it it probably won't be anything special, but it's the guys who directed Game Night, which I liked a lot. So I think it'll be fun. Why not? Totally. Uh, So that was one. What else? Um, After that was DC and um, their League of Super Pets movies coming out in like a week or two. And I could not care less about it. Um, yeah, whatever. Yeah, there was the whole, like you mentioned, Henry Cavill thing where there was a rumor that he was going to show up and he didn't show up because he was filming The Witcher and he was never going to show up. But people got mad that he didn't show up. I think that kind of more speaks to what the fuck, if anything, is DC ever going to do with Superman? Because they will go, go and find like the most obscure characters possible to like put front and center in their movies. But we haven't seen Superman in a like if you don't count the second version of justice league he hasn't like his face hasn't been shown in a dc property or at least the henry cavill version uh since like 2017 which is outrageous 
Um, so, you know, I would personally like to see a new, you know, Superman movie, you know, with Cavill or whoever, just, you know, I feel like there's something to be done with that, uh, character and they're just kind of not, um, it was actually a pretty light DC panel, which makes me think they're saving the big stuff for fandom later this year. But, um, we did get a first look at, uh, Shazam 2, which looks yeah. good. I wouldn't say great. I think the humor feels a little more forced this time around, but maybe that's just the trailer. Um, but it looks fine. It's got Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu as the villains. It's got, you know, super family and, you know, the first one's solid and, uh, hopefully this one will be too. And, uh, another quick preview of, uh, Black Adam, which is later this year, which is the rock is a superhero had to happen eventually. Um, which similarly looks solid, but you know, we'll wait and see you hear it's the rocks director that he worked with on jungle cruise. And you're like, okay, well this thing might have a ceiling to it, but then you also see Pierce Brosnan in a golden bucket helmet. And you're like, okay, well this could be fun as well. So more, more to be learned. I'm sure from the DC side of things, there's been speculation that they didn't show anything from the flash or Aquaman two because certain actors in those films require a certain amount of damage control that I don't think they're ready to work around just yet, but they're going to have to deal with them sooner or later. Um, so that's the DC side of things. Obviously the big event, the big thing worth talking about and digging into was the Marvel panel. Yeah. Now my assumption, because they've been making the bulk of their announcements for the past few years, they haven't even been at Comic-Con for a couple years now. Uh, not since they initially unveiled sort of the end of the infinity saga. So I was expecting it would just be like a couple trailers. You know, we find out a little more about some things coming up. They basically gave us a rundown of like the next two phases. And also apparently black Panther, uh, Wakanda forever is going to be the end of phase four. Um, which seems that, a bit abrupt, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but at the same time, like if you factor in the shows, like the runtime of phase four is more than the first three phases combined. That's true. And I guess I guess some of the phases earlier didn't really like advance things beyond like slowly bringing Thanos and like bringing them together. So I guess like reestablishing the world post blip is kind of what this phase is about. Yeah. And sort of, you know, all the different characters sort of, you know, reconciling in the aftermath and, you know, or some new heroes, you know, coming to the fore. Um, I think the thing that throws it off is that we're used to having an Avengers movie of or some kind of team up movie you know, to either cap it off or to sort of, you know, f- finalize it. But I, yeah. not to say that the Black Panther sequel won't be a big event, but um, I, th- I think um, it might have been a bigger one prior to. Yeah, necessary change. Exactly. One, the TV stuff definitely throws off the rhythm. Although if you look at them as just projects, it's about as many as phase three had. Um, so that works. And then phase five starting next year. So we're going to get Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which will introduce, uh, Kane the Conqueror, who's this going to be the next big bad. Um, we got the Marvels, we got Guardians of the Galaxy three, we got, um, Blade got a release date for next year in November, which I'm very excited for. Um, we got the year after with the like vague rumor that they didn't confirm that it's not an R-rated film, even though I'm sure it's not. I would be stunned if it was R-rated. I think they're saving the R for Deadpool three, which didn't yeah, get a look I in think... yet. But I think they're really my my assumption because they're calling the 
phases four through six, the multiverse saga, which makes me think they already had the plans for that ready to go well before the Fox merger. So they're going to ride out that line of storytelling and then wait until phase seven onwards to get into the mutant stuff. Uh, cons- yeah, why not? They, they, there's no, there's no hurry beyond fans want it, and making fans wait a longer time is not a bad thing. No, exactly. Well, and as we're about to see, you know, the timeline in these things is already increasing. I think phases four through six, despite having like quadruple the content, is going to run through in like half the time it took for phases, just the first two phases. Yeah. Um. But let me think what else. Obviously, some TV stuff like Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Agatha, Coven of Chaos, which I think House title. of Harkness was a better title, but that's just me. Yeah. Title for uh, Captain America 4. Oh, yeah. New World Order, which I think works. Yeah. Uh, Thunderbolts movie, which we kind of knew about, but is now official, uh, which will yeah. be, be kind of the Marvel equivalent of the Suicide Squad. And we've already seen a bunch of characters that could be part of that. And I'm sure I think the TV is probably going to be kind of a testing ground for a lot of those. Um, She-Hulk is obviously coming out next month. Oh, and also we got um, Daredevil's coming into the MCU in a big way because he made a quick little cameo in Spider-Man. He's going to be showing up in the Echo show. He's going to be showing up in She-Hulk. And then he's getting his own uh, 18 episode series, which is longer even than the original Netflix series ran for. So... I don't know how connected that's going to be to what came before, but they're clearly, you know, putting a lot into bringing that side of things back. So that's kind of interesting. Um, And then uh, they teased a bit about phase six, which is going to start with Fantastic Four. And it seems like that phase is only going to last like a year or two, because then we're going to get two Avengers movies pretty much back to back. uh, Didn't they also say something about like Ant-Man being... uh like the jumping off point for that also well ant-man's a jump off for five yeah sorry Uh, that's what it was yeah and then fantastic four jumps off six and then less than or and that's like in november or something so that'll be kind of weird that they're in the middle of the year but they might move that around i'm sure a lot of these dates are subject to change and also there's a lot of stuff in between like they don't usually get to announce like the fourth spider-man movie for example because that's also a sony thing and you know, details like that, or I'm sure they're still yeah, finalizing they would, sure a few things. Would, they would definitely like to continue that because isn't also Spider-Man is a huge part of one of the things they announced. Yeah. Well, so yeah, we get, we're getting two more Avengers movies in 2025, I want to say, and that's uh, the Kang dynasty and secret wars, which is a massive, well, they're both kind of pretty huge comic events. Uh, but Secret Wars in particular, and yeah, Spider-Man's a pretty huge part of that. One, you don't want to do any new Avengers movies without making him a big part of it, because he's just one of the most popular characters and always has been. Um, so yeah, a lot more revealed than we expected. Apparently, a couple of them did have trailers that were shown to Comic-Con, but not released online. Uh, I know at least Guardians 3 and uh, Ant-Man 3 both got trailers that weren't released online. Uh, But we did get a first proper look at uh, Wakanda Forever, uh, and Mm -hmm. I think it looks great. Um, I was very cautiously optimistic about this one because just, you know, Chadwick left some pretty big shoes to fill. But regardless of they've still put off answering the question of, you know, who's going to, you know, take on the mantle, as it were. Although I think it's almost 
a sure thing that it's going to be Shuri at this point. Um, yeah. But regardless of that plot detail, the movie itself looks just as beautiful and epic and uh, the world building in it looks just as impressive as the first time around. So very excited for that. Lots of things to be excited for. Still some unanswered questions, but we do have D23 in uh, September, which I think they're going to make a few more announcements and probably reveal like some castings for like a couple of these things. Like we've got a couple of rumored casting pieces from Blade, for example, uh, like Delroy Lindo is supposed to be in it. A couple of other people that haven't been officially confirmed. Plus, you mm-hmm. got to imagine they've got sequels to like Shang-Chi and even the Eternals potentially in the works. So, uh, yeah, lots, lots of moving pieces, lots to be excited about if you're a big Marvel yeah. nerdy fanboy like I am. And earlier in, uh, in this day, they announced the, um, oh yeah. Director for Kang Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, uh, is it Destin Daniel or Daniel Destin? Uh, Destin Daniel. Destin, Destin Daniel Cretton, who did, uh, Shang-Chi is going to be doing the Kang Dynasty, but interestingly not confirmed for Secret Wars. So rather than the Russo brothers thing where they did infinity war and Endgame back to back, these might be more like two separate projects, which will be interesting. Yeah. And that is, that, that does kind of feel like what they're doing. They're going to, um, have a, um, separate director for secret wars. Yeah. Uh, the, the, even, even though they've already said not going to be the Russos, not going to be the Russos, although they've been open to reuniting with them at some point down the road that is interesting to me because the russos have said in interviews that if there's one um marvel project they would want to come back for it would be secret wars so i guess maybe they're just too busy with that gray man sequel now maybe i mean or creating the gray man cinematic universe yeah i mean maybe 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 it's all just sort of like talk but i think uh they probably have to announce someone soon. I, I imagine they want to go in house if they can, just because it's you can't. You would you would hope for a big one like that. My hunch is it's going to be like a Ryan Coogler or someone like that. I think I think Coogler would be their their ideal choice, but I also don't know if he'd be even slightly interested. Well, I also know he's supposedly developing a Wakanda centric Disney Plus series that hasn't been given a title yet, so yeah. he may not be able to juggle both. Also, I think. He's drawn to the Black Panther stuff because he's able to add sort of a more personal element to it, whereas the Avengers might be a bit too broad. Yeah, that's 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 where you need filmmakers with some personality, but maybe not such a specific personality, which is usually counterintuitive. You want filmmaking personality, but I think there's there's such scale in the story to these things that it, it, it too many sidetracks to add the color that you enjoy will um make for a mess i think that's that's what made the russos i think work was there was a little bit there was just enough that you didn't feel like you were watching you know just an orgy of cgi but they still like were pretty relentless in moving the story forward yeah well what the russos sort of brought to the table for a project like that and you see a little bit of it in the gray man um and even cherry to a lesser extent where like you can see a lot of influences from other films or filmmakers or types of things that they like. They're able to look at these Avengers projects where you're combining characters from films with, you know, not wildly varying tones, but everyone's got their different personalities and styles that they're used to in their own movies. And to make that all sort of coexist with one another and like the tonal balancing act of that was pretty impressive, I thought. For sure. So we'll see what happens uh, there. But 
more to come. D23, fandom, all those things will have more announcements. The things that played to the crowd that didn't get released, I'm sure will get released. And maybe that's when we'll find out who's directing Secret Wars because they probably have to figure that out soon-ish. One would imagine. Well, I mean, Kang Dynasty is like, it feels like it should be far away, but it's not that far away. We're talking only a few years here. So like D23... My big prediction, I think they're going to tell us who's playing the Fantastic Four. I think they're going to reveal I'm it all in one they go. Need, they also need a director. Yeah, I think we'll get director. I think we'll get casting for the four. And if we're lucky, Doctor Doom, because there's rumors that he might be in a Black Panther post credit or something like that. And he's also a big part of um, both Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars in the comics. And it basically becomes like a yeah. war between him and Kang and... Obviously, that's a major Marvel character that has never been even remotely close to done right in movies before. So out of all the well, characters from that section of the world, that's the one I'm most excited to see them do right. Well, that's a huge key. If they can get a good Doctor Doom, yeah. they will be ahead of the curve. And, um, but they fucked up because they already used up Mads Mikkelsen. He would have been a solid one. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, you know, they're going to have a take because they always do and it'll be slightly different. So they you can go, you can, you can go in a lot of directions. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the four will be, I'm sure a little bit of fan casting and a little bit of outside the box thinking. That's kind of how they do these things. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, John Watts might end up back in a Spider-Man movie. That could be what happens with that. Cause I think he, he was kind of like dumb with Spider-Man. Yeah. And the fact that he has other things going on, he has that he has that like series he's working on, that maybe that's enough for them to, you know, back up the truck to make uh Spider-Man now. Cuz also I'm sure the Fantastic Four offer was good, but probably not Spider-Man 4 good. Sure. So that could be a thing. Um well, I mean, we'll also slowly probably get more of Kang going forward because of Ant-Man. It's it's kind of weird that the the it's basically like making Thanos the villain in Thor dark world yeah hmm. well but keep in mind as has sort of been teased at the end of loki that we're probably gonna see more than one version of kang throughout the next few movies i think they've been shocking there's been a shocking amount of restraint to not show him beyond loki so far this phase because i thought for sure we were going to get at least a tease in either uh, multiverse of madness or love and thunder but nothing and Black Panther doesn't seem like an appropriate place to tee him up. So I think we might probably not, not see anything of him until um, uh, Ant-Man. If they, but he's going to be a bit more front and center there. So it'll make up for lost time. Yeah. As opposed well, to I like mean, Thanos, where it was just like, you know, th- two or three post credit sequences and one kind of underwhelming appearance in the first Guardians. Yeah. Um, I, did you actually did you find it? Did you get here? What happens in that trailer? In the Ant-Man trailer? Uh, I heard some details. Yeah, I know they're going into the quantum realm. I know Bill Murray's in it as like somebody. Yeah, he's, had, in, uh, he's in the quantum realm, I believe. Well, somebody Michelle um, Pfeiffer sort of befriended while she was down there. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, and apparently, uh, Modoc's going to be in it, which is pretty exciting. Yes, Modoc, which is, I think they're going to, they're going to do a little bit of the, like, not multiverse of madness stuff, but the way they can, they can get weird because the multiverse can kind of have whatever. Yeah. Um, so the uh, if you, you don't want to be ever so slightly spoiled for a preview for a movie two years from now, um, skip the next 30 seconds. But apparently the trailer ends with Kang. Do you know this part or no? I 
go go for it because I'm not sure I know you, specifically you're talking about. Are you fi- you're fine knowing? I I I've read a bunch of stuff. I'm sure I do know. I okay. just don't know where you're yeah, specifically yeah, the, referring the to. The end of the end of the trailer apparently has him them meeting Kang, and I guess Scott slash Ant Man saying who he is, and he goes, "Oh, you're an Avenger. Have I killed you before?" And that's how the trailer ends, mm. which is very interesting for the idea of like multiple Kangs. Yeah. Well, and that's multiple universes. That's what I think is going to make him interesting. So it's not just, you know, another big tough guy on a throne or whatever. It's like there a there's multiple versions of him and B he's more tech based and more like it's more that he's like from the future and he's a super genius and he's like he's got a lot more sort of brains rather than brawn, which Thanos sort of brought in spades. Yeah. And it seems like to do ever so slightly a a theory on secret wars that i guess they're just gonna replace him instead of uh whatever the fuck the the beseecher whatever the hell random word is for the the secret wars like guy who brings everyone together for the fight it'll just be him i guess oh sure well and it like because that's been adapted and like you know other comics and mobile game like there's two different versions of secret wars in the comics there's one from the 80s and there's one from like 2015 so i'm and sure they'll piecemeal both i'm yeah well and you know like age of ultron the movie has nothing to do with age of ultron the comic arc except for the name so you know they always very liberally adapt these things but uh totally. they'll, they'll take them as some influence but do whatever makes sense for the story they're telling exactly speaking of spoilers um you had that brief moment in case you didn't want to be spoiled on on a trailer that we'll see soon enough. Uh, we're talking nope now. So um, if you want to know nothing about the movie and haven't seen it yet, you probably want to check out now. And thank you for listening. Otherwise, um, <clears throat> we're going to do what we normally do. And, and Miles will talk sort of broadly about what he thought. I already mentioned it. Um, and then we'll get into some specifics about it. Because there are some things that I mentioned last week that I think are a little clearer. There are things that I don't think are any clearer. There are some things I think work better. There are things I think work worse in, in my sort of thinking about it for, for a week now. So I want to be able to talk openly about it. And a week from now, I feel like people will be on to the next thing. So we're just going to do it now and hopefully you're all cool with it. So, um, starting now, if you don't want to be spoiled, probably check out, but fair enough. Miles's first spiel will probably not be spoiler filled, but the floor is yours. All right. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, I saw this one opening night. I was very excited for it. Jordan Peele is obviously a phenomenally talented writer director and somebody who would always, any new project is worth, you know, keeping an eye on. Um, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I had a fun time watching it. Um, I did watch it twice over the course of the weekend because there were aspects of it that like you, I kind of... I wasn't 100% sure if they worked or if they fully mm-hmm. clicked. Um, it's very entertaining. Um, and yeah, yeah, the sure. best the best stuff in it is the more like the stuff that draws more from like sci-fi and Western tropes. Um, towards the end, it's kind of becomes like Tremors meets Jaws by way of Close Encounters. Um, and I think that those elements of it are sort of the most engaging. I think the characters are all more serviceable than like they're not as compelling as like the characters in get out or even like the protagonist of us um but i think they're all well acted and um you know daniel kaluuya and kiki palmer are the ones that get sort of the most to work with but um 
the big thing about this movie and the second viewing really kind of crystallized this for me is that it's gone from where the metaphor and the plot sort of sit side by side with each other here they intermingle much more to the point where certain things are not satisfying if you're only looking at them from a plot standpoint but they work better if you take on the fact that the metaphor is as important to the experience as the plot and oh yeah there's a couple of things specifically we'll talk about in a moment that yeah. immediately spring to mind well yeah and there's one sort of B plot in it that I think will end up being the most divisive aspect of the movie. And Mm -hmm. I will say that did play better the second time around once I understood sort of where it was going and what to expect. Um, I want to, I'll ask about that when we get to that. Yeah. But um, I think it's very, very well made. I think there's a, a handful of moments of like some really effective tension when it's funny, it's very funny. There's a couple of sequences, especially not quite in the middle, but like building up to the middle. It's almost like three scenes back to back where they're like, there's scenes of like horror of like tension. And then they like dovetail into humor in a way that's like so masterfully done. Um and I, I won't get into the specifics of what sort of happens in them, but I think you kind of briefly alluded to at least one of them uh, last week, but where like the humor and the horror are so like comfortably existing next to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, you can see Peel's comedy background coming through, but at the same time, there's never any doubt that you're in the hands of a master horror director as well. Uh, and I wouldn't say it's completely a horror movie. It's it, it's very much a genre blender compared to its first two. I Ultimately, I don't think it's quite as good as Get Out because Get Out is just so sharp and precise and it's like perfectly balanced and encapsulated. Uh, but I think I probably like it better than Us, which I do like. I feel like I was maybe a bit harsh on it last week. Like Lupita Nyong'o is Oscar worthy in that movie, I feel. But um, there are elements of the world building in that that don't that they they ask for more questions than you you're ever going to get satisfying answers for, and some of the symbolism in that is maybe a little too open for interpretation. Whereas in this one, the symbolism it's very like it's kind of fascinating because it's very in your face. And it's like, if you're paying even the remotest amount of attention, it's very clear what the basic messages that he's putting forth are, and just the way that he tells them, and the way that he integrates the sort of thesis statement within the plot, um, I found very fascinating. Yeah. um, I... And that's as much as I can say without going into spoilers. Yeah, so let's let's let um, spoilers um happen now so if you haven't checked out yet check out now and yeah so the first thing that i'm curious about having watched the second time is how did the steven ewan character play because i remember obviously you know not knowing what was going to happen being a little puzzled with the the showcase scene which i don't have to keep saying spoilers ends with the alien also yes it's an alien um basically eating everyone up. Like, it seems very confusing at the moment. Um, I'm assuming, and I'm, I imagine you would confirm that, like, 
he's been running the show with the alien for a bit of time, right? Yes. So, yeah, that was the biggest thing that became much clearer on the second viewing because the pieces are there. But until you know where they connect, it's it's harder to, to uh, sort of figure that part out. But yes, the implication uh, through several parts that's more or less confirmed is that um, Keith David dies at the beginning and then and I missed this the first time around because it's in like one like throwaway line of dialogue. But then there's a six month time jump. Um, yeah, 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 there was a little and. That that was the weird thing, because I got the fact that like falling debris got it. Yeah, and you kind of you, and then you see the debris later. It's like I, it's not that it's not well done, but I feel like more should be available to you on the first viewing, and that may just be knowing how well he did it the first time would get out. You didn't need a second viewing on anything. Well, no, no exactly. Us. This this one, I think he's comfortable with as long as he nails, like, I wouldn't call them action sequences, but you know what I mean, the set pieces. As long as he nails the experience of those, he's okay with letting some of the more interpretive specifics of it be something that you have to chew on. Um, but anyway, yeah, so there's a six-month time jump. And the implication is that Stephen Yun, uh, he runs this little Jupiter's Claim sort of Western-themed uh, little amusement thing. And basically, he's been doing this show where – because you find out that uh, Daniel Kaluuya, following his father's death, has been slowly selling off uh, all his horses to Stephen Yun. And at first, you just think, oh, well, it's a Western thing. He's using them for some sort of Western thing. But what he's actually doing is essentially feeding them to the alien – uh, which we find yeah. out is not a uh, flying saucer in the traditional sense, whereas there are people in it, which I thought was the coolest twist and is the big thing that you don't want to get spoiled on, is that it's actually a living creature. Um, yeah. it, it is, for all intents and purposes, an alien, but it's not a ship containing aliens. The saucer is the thing, and it's just this like big like eye-shaped hole that's just sucking things up and devouring them and then it spits out all the leftover debris and stuff that you know comes along with that um and so yeah basically he's just been spending six months and kaluuya has a line about how like he got caught up trying to tame a predator but what happened is because he'd been continuously sort of luring this thing out um to you know suck up the horses for the spectacle um eventually uh the creature got territorial and was like okay well this is where i live now and that's why you know for the bulk of the movie's timeline it starts to get a bit more bold and you know reveal itself a bit more and it's hiding in the clouds for a lot of it but then it's starting to get more and more territorial and that's when it starts engaging with the other characters and the other horses uh, and things like that and then the big showcase scene because uh, there's a bit where he's like, well, in less than an hour, we're going to show you something you've never seen before. But first, my kids are going to do like a little musical number. But then the alien yeah. sort of shows up ahead of schedule and, you know, sort of throws it off. And that, um, you know, is when it sort of devours everybody there, which works in parallel to what the most divisive element of the film is going to be is Gordy the Chimp, who yes. And let me say this for Steven Yoon's character. He has the fucking wildest backstory I think I've seen in quite a long time, which is that he- And the most earnest description of an SNL bit ever. Which, that was so fascinating. And that, like, he's he does, like, 
for all intents and purposes, die at around the halfway point. But I do think Steven Yeun makes the most of the the time he gets with the character, and especially in that scene where this is like the most traumatic thing that ever happened to him that like could ever happen to most people, where he was a kid on this sitcom and they had a trained chimp and the chimp got scared and startled by a popping balloon and basically like murdered everyone on the set except for him yeah. and then like got its bla- its brains blown out like right in front of him. But rather than describing the trauma and the intensity of being there, he's he describes the SNL sketch that they did about it. And it sort yeah. of ties into the greater theme, which is that it's all about the commodification of spectacle, right? And it's all yes. about how and there's and animals and animals specifically. And uh, it's the the Bible verse at the beginning, which I'm not familiar with any Bible verse, but I hadn't seen that one before. Uh, which is where, you know, I'll cover you with filth and make you a spectacle. And it's basically all about how humans and how people are willing to sort of debase themselves either to create skeptical or to capture spectacle and like package it, resell it, etc. And you see that in so many different ways throughout. Uh, you see it with Gordy. You see it with Jupiter's Claim. You see it with the main plot of uh, the siblings who are trying to get the Oprah shot. Uh, which it's yeah. implied that they do at the end. Uh, you see it with the TMZ guy who shows up towards the end. Um, you know, the cinematographer um, played by Michael Wincott is sort of a great parallel of the Stephen Yoon character and that they both end up going too far and losing their lives in the pursuit of yeah. sort of capturing that spectacle. There's, there's, there's little things that I think the more you think about it, the better a lot of it works, which is always a good thing. But then there's little things that that pop up where because it is a movie and it is entertainment that, you you know, as much as you can solve some of the questions or or get the answers you want, it opens up some logic things. But that's sort of just how it's going to go. Like, you know, the 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 sort of disinterest in the mass disappearance of people is a little strange, except for the one TMZ guy. Yeah. When, you know, presumably... You would have well, like and a there was a investigation. I guess there was a news report about it because that's what gets uh, Michael Wincott onto the scene. Yeah, but it's but it's almost like a like a hey, something weird happened. Like fifty people just might be dead. You know, wow. You know, um, as opposed to like the large police investigation. But I get why they wouldn't do that. It complicates the story, and also presumably the alien would just come and eat them. Yeah, and that would perpetuate the issue. Though that would be an interesting thing because I was. At one point when they leave and go to the city and they're eating at the at the fast food joint, I was wondering if it was going to move to like, is the alien moving to the city? Is there like this big epic thing that we, we weren't aware of? And no, that's not what he's doing. But, you know, like I, like you said, it's so much of it is about spectacle, which is funny because it's in a summer blockbuster that is in and of itself spectacle, which is, you know, maybe too clever by half for some. But I think that's a, that that works. I just... The, the animal stuff is laid on a little thicker than necessary, especially considering how many animals end up dying in the movie. Yeah, have, well, have and like commentary on it. in very gruesome ways, too. I mean, you only see the inside of the alien's mall like once very briefly, uh, but it seems like a pretty gnarly way to go. And then it just like rain vomits blood all over the house, basically. And that's, you know, yeah. nice and fun. And also like, you know, I, the Gordy getting his brain blown out i didn't love as like a shot i get that it's like a, a jump moment essentially but yeah you know especially when you you learn he didn't he might not have actually killed anyone 
because the the girl was alive. She's she's at the um, she's at Jupiter's claim. She's she's a wreck. But she's there. Yeah, well, yeah, um, her face just horribly disfigured, which I like that that was like a moment in the trailers where you see this woman with this fucked up face and you're like, oh, my gosh, is that like part of the alien invasion or something like that? And it's like, oh, no, that's like a totally unrelated thing from like a side plot. Yeah, which <laughs> are also when you have like the, I, I think the, the fist bump. Yeah, I think the other actors who were there, I think the implication is that they did die. Definitely the guy playing the dad did because you see him get sort of bludgeoned and there's no indication yeah. that he survived. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it's it's not a concern of the movie. No, the the, the point is they they tried, you know, they overplayed their hand by like, you know, trying to build a sitcom around yeah. like, you know, an animal that like is very much not out. meant for that kind of thing. And yeah, you know, I mean, it's the which is you know extrapolated to a million, and it's trying to get a photograph of an alien. Exactly. And like you 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 get it. I do wish there was a bit more to it. You know, so much, so much of the experience that I would imagine at least the first time, um, I'll find out when I see it again, is is unpacking it and getting to these things. Yeah. That I do wonder the plot itself the second time, because it is deceptively simple, I think, even the more you think about it. It is kind of just a brother and a sister decide we should try to take a picture of this animal. The animal avoid, ev- evades them. Eventually, they get a picture of the animal. In In very broad strokes, that is the plot of this movie. Well, that's the thing. Compared to both Get uh, Get Out and Us, the, it's like a shockingly straightforward narrative this time around. Like the yeah. like people are always like, "Oh, don't spoil it for me." Oh, what's the mystery of Nope? Really, the only narrative mystery to unpack is what the alien is. As soon yeah. as you understand that, like at that from that point onwards, it's a very straightforward second half. And yeah, except for the the last shot, which I hate. I do admittedly hate that last shot. I hate the like tricky, like, I don't know if you're, if you're at all paying attention, you know, the answer to the question it sort of proposes in the very end. I didn't I even didn't know there was a, shot. what, what, one of the, when she sees, uh, when she sees OJ. Oh, I think that's just and meant to like, be like the hero shot. Cause you've got like the epic Western music playing in the background. It's kind like, of, I just, this like, was them. I, I know... they, they wrangled, you know, the wild steer or whatever. They got the, yeah, over except shot. for the fact he's like, clearly dead is he when would he have died it ate him did it It i saw it twice and i never saw a moment when it ate him well i mean i know they hold that like actual shot back but in the in the final shot there's no one behind him as opposed to all the like police and stuff it it seems pretty clear it's a fantasy shot but i'd be curious to no i thought the police and stuff were, were on the other side of her interesting I, 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 I never think I, 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 I know like he's under a sign that says out yonder and there and it's like the smoke billing away. But I interpreted that as like, you know, the confirmation that he survived. Interesting. I you know what? Uh, anyone who has seen it and wants to let us know where you fall, let us know, because there is more to that, I, that. I can't think of a moment when he would have died. I mean, it, it, the last few moments kind of become about her. They do the Akira bike shot, which I've never seen yeah. in live action. I appreciated. Uh, and then it's, it becomes all about her taking the picture. But I don't remember a moment when he would have been sucked up. I know they su- I mean, it seemed like it was about to happen and then they cut away. So, like, when would he have, it would have escaped is the thing. Well, because it gets uh, it gets distracted with sucking up the balloon that ends up. It's implied that it kills it. 
Maybe. I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I mean, I'm sure this is the I, I feel like because yeah. he, he's the main character for all intents and purposes. You think they would if he does die, then it would be clearly established that that's what's happening. Could be. I mean, if if it, if he is dead, then it leads to my frustration of it being a little too vague for what should be a, an important character moment. And then I don't like the like in the way of like. Uh, um. I, I don't I don't can't think of the example I want to use, but like looking up and seeing someone who's gone because it's like a fond memory. Yeah, I I, shot. No, well, like the end of Rise of Skywalker, for example, or something like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't get that from it at all. My interpretation was like, it's it's the hero music. This is the yeah, we succeeded. We beat the bad guys. We did the thing. And that's okay. the yeah, my brother survived shot. That's what I took from it, at least. If so, then I don't know that it works better. It's a different thing. I do think regardless of which way it goes, considering how much the movie clearly has on its mind, because that's not the actual final shot. The final shot is that you see the photo that she took, which Uh, is which is also like a solid shot, but also it is. But it's like that's the Oprah shot. (laughs) Well, it is and it isn't. It it gets more detail than anything else they had. But um, beyond that, um, it's almost it's almost too simple for how much the movie had on its mind. Like those last moments aren't saying anything in relationship to the metaphor or to the, the broader messages. It's just a, the heroes succeeded in their goal, but like you, you expect there to be an extra wrinkle of some sort or some sort of like they did it, but at what cost or something. Cause there's nothing goes back to, as it goes back to what I was talking about last week, which is, I feel like get out is a movie that is elevated because of the social commentary and metaphor. Yeah. Us is a movie that is layering both things on to the point where there is a, a tricky balance there. But I think it still kind of works. Well, it, it, it works. We're, we're talking about levels of very good here. Like, Oh, it, yeah. These are all like, you know, I'd say out yeah, of the three, it, Us is his weakest film. And it's still very strong. I think I think depending on how I I think about it, I think any of they can be in, in different orders. I think it's harder to. I used to say that I thought Us was a little better than Get Out because there was a little bit more going on. But I think now having seen Nope, I, I kind of have flip flopped, and I like the not simplicity of Get Out, but sort of the efficiency of Get Out. Well, yeah, it's nope more is the simplest. It's more streamlined. It's both Nope and Us like get a bit more ambitious with their theming. But sometimes to the detriment of the narrative, I think in both cases. Yeah. I think I think Nope is the first one where the narrative suffers to some degree. And again, it's just keeping it from being great. It's just yeah. very good to me. Well, but exactly. Like I, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, I liked it enough to see it a second time. It did not crack okay. my top ten of the year so far. No, no. It's it, it's and like I I just skeptical of awards play and things like that. Oh, like maybe a screenplay nomination yeah. or sound. I actually thought the sound, sound design in it was really strong. I think the sound is great. Um, it's very well shot. But I think any of the broader award stuff is, I think. It's not that kind of movie. No, no. And Again, it's Tremors. It's that Tremors or Jaws. It's yeah. one of, the, it's, you know, at, at its heart, wanna... it's just a movie about like, you know, some some people going up against a monster. Essentially. Exactly. I don't want anyone to think that I'm um, like negating Jordan Peele's talent because he is definitely one of the most interesting filmmakers working today. But I think. This is going to sound more negative than I mean it, but I think he might be a one-trick pony awards-wise in that Get Out was just the right place, the right time, the right movie, 
And I think the things he does are harder sells for the Academy than we were led to believe. Well, exactly. And it goes back to what I was saying last week, where he could have a very successful, very lucrative career making very interesting movies and like be regarded as like one of the great horror filmmakers of all time. He can have all that and still never make a movie that hits quite as well as Get Out did. And, and there's nothing wrong with likely. that. But yeah. it could be a Sixth Sense situation, you know, where it's oh, like, yeah. I would, you just, you peak early, it's lightning in a bottle, and everything else is great and confirms the talent, but it doesn't quite hit that peak again. And oh, yeah. and, and, and maybe I don't want to dismiss that, because, you know, maybe number four is the one where, oh, this oh, yeah. is where he's taking it. And maybe step. he'll... Ex- continue to explore i i just my my one concern is whether the the like i had said last like like did he take the wrong lessons from get out success and lean too far into the the what's it mean and was and, and you've seen you see a lot of filmmakers fall into that trap you know there are plenty of people who you know will defend christopher nolan until the cows come home but there are also plenty of people who like most of his stuff but then see like a like a tenant and go feel like you leaned into your worst impulses here. Yeah. Well, and that's me for sure. I Exactly. You've made a lesser you've made a like a like a film that's hard to say is a bad film by any stretch, but you've leaned into the things that you are at your best when it is in service of something else. And this yeah. feels in service of these impulses. And no threatens to do that sometimes. Like I I did feel like I wanted more of the sibling interaction. Um they're 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 not quite thin characters but they're given way less story than you would expect they're given just enough that you can't criticize them as being poorly written but and i know part of it is is his intent to like have you ask questions and, and that's part of his filmmaking style but you certainly wouldn't have had a worse movie if you knew a little bit more about what they were up to yeah, or like one or, one or two more flashbacks a, with Keith David or one or two – like, yeah, yeah just return, a little bit more of their backstory. Because, like, once the plot gets going, there's not really that much of that. And, and, and that's fine because they're both functional characters. Exactly. They're, and they're, the actors sort of are, are doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. Yeah, yeah. And it leaves them leaves them malleable enough to kind of do what the narrative needs them to do. Yeah. Um, to which I wonder if – I think he said his first – cut was like four hours long or something like that obviously which is standard directors say that all the time that's called an assembly cut that's just you throw everything out and you see what works and what doesn't oh yeah there is there is no um most films have take on that right a couple weeks ago he was talking about like i don't do director's cuts because they're terrible like nobody likes them oh if you want to watch wasn't that taika who said that oh yeah you're right taika taika i'm sorry because similar similar kind of personality i think if i get do you want to watch my director's cut? It's terrible, but it's longer. You know, it's worse, but at least there's more of it kind of thing. Like, go, go to the bathroom. It's it's fine. Like, you know, there there is a lot of shit that leaves these movies that should leave these movies. I do wonder if some of the, the character beats had to be sacrificed. Potentially, like, just to keep the plot moving, which is interesting yeah, because on the one hand, that's true. But on the other hand, especially in the first half... It's a little meandering for for the first handful of scenes. You're kind of waiting for like whatever the thing is going to be, and eventually, yeah. and eventually it gets in. But it's like it's probably a good fine with thirty the... minutes before like what the plot is actually going to be. Yeah, even that would have been a better. Itself. That would have been a better time to have 
you know, I, however you do it, I'm, listen, I'm not Jordan Peele. I'm not capable of, of coming up with a better idea. But whether they have a one of those arguments that's an information dump, you know, like whatever the, the thing would be to get across everything we need to get across. Yeah. They don't really do that. You know, there, there's a bit of that, it in like the the um, the scene on the studio set and there's a yeah. little bit of it when they get home. They they spend probably a bit more time than they should on the Steven Yeun stuff in the beginning, considering he's important amounts to. Well, he's important to the plot in the sense that he sets everything up, but most of what he actually contributes to the narrative kind of happens off screen. And uh, you just you find out about it. There's the one scene where um, where uh, Kaluuya is uh, sort of he seeing like the performance off in the distance and we only kind of yeah. vaguely hear it and we don't really know what it is until after the fact. But like outside of that, like. It basically it puts a little too much pressure on that sh- the one big showcase scene because it's it's doing the heavy lifting of like we could have had another scene of this earlier on or we could have more sure, clearly I established mean, that this is what was happening. Instead, we get Gordy, which like fine, like it's it's a it's a bold choice, but I don't know that I wouldn't have been happier with give me give me a little bit more reason to care about these people besides the fact that like I love Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. And um, and Kiki Palmer's M is like a very big character, you know. Yeah. And I like I and I and I had I I think she's she's solid in the movie. I think she made a character that I I think as written is kind of unlikable, more likable because she's she's not very nice to anyone in the movie, and she's very selfish. Like these are little things, and like obviously overcomes them as the things progress. But you know the re- repetitive beat of like every time there's work, she's like, ah, you guys do it. Is yeah, a weird, no, like, no, I agree. Moment to establish for her, I agree. Like, it just well, that happens like a few less. too many times. I think she, I think she's great in it. I, I genuinely do. I think they both are, but I think they are both. They're having because uh, I don't want to call the script. I don't want to say that the script is the problem, but at the same time, no. the maybe it's, it's the dialogue specifically isn't as strong as it was in the first two. And I think it's because it's more in service of the big ideas or the set pieces yeah, than it the, is the, to the, the character interactions. And I the think the character interactions are forgettable in this movie. And by comparison, not in the first yeah. Two movies. Yeah, exactly. Get Out has really, really great small moments. I think is honestly at its best in the small moments. Exactly. I, I you know, I'm I I like that movie. I don't love it as much as everyone does. I'm I'm listen. I'm sure when I watch it again, I'll I'll get everything again and be like, oh, I was wrong, but. You know, I, I still think maybe the best moment in that movie is Allison Williams, like, trolling, uh, up, what was it? it, was like an NCAA site or something, like, looking for the next guy. Like, the little moment of, like, maybe a basketball player this time. Just, like, these little details that are really clever. Well, when she's and, fucking doing the Fruit Loops and the milk, but she's got them separated. <laughs> yeah, there, uh. there's so many good small moments or character beats of, or just having, like, Bradley Whitford, who would have voted for Obama a third time, like, they're just so well realized for the world that they're creating. And there's less of that in us. Obviously it's a family dynamic and, and much closer put together, but like the the scene where she's giving um Winston Duke like all the information you need in that movie. Yeah. Um and he's basically trying to fuck her. That's that's a really good small character moment, and that's not there isn't really anything in here. The the dialogue, like I think the SNL story is very funny even though it's a harrowing thing he's describing and individual things work, but the, as a whole, the, like, if you just had the script read out loud to you, it wouldn't read particularly great. 
And that's a very weird dynamic to judge a movie on, especially a visual movie like this. But if you just sort of took the dialogue out of the movie, it's a little plain Jane. Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, Peel won an Oscar for his script for Get Out. And I think with that yeah. one and us to a lesser extent, it was more like he is a very solid director who's like got these really crazy concepts or scripts that like are sort of elevating the directing. In this one, yeah. it's almost reversed where like his directing is better than it's ever been. But the script hasn't quite kept up with that. And he's got more ambition 100%. and he's got a bigger budget now. And he's like clearly like, you know, to a certain degree, he's having his cake and eating it too by making like a massive spectacle movie that's also a critique of spectacle movies. Yes. But he but he's got the directing talent at least to pull that off. Yeah. You just wish you know the, the script was a little tighter. And maybe it's just a like – because I feel like the characters in Get Out are all fairly competent, right? If yeah. not like outright smart people. And in us, they're uh, they're an upper middle class family, so they're you know they're well educated. They have like there's this veneer of 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 like education to a lot of it. It the main characters and, and most of the characters here are kind of played dumber. And maybe that's part of it. Like, obviously, like, like Daniel Kaluuya is playing a, a farmer, essentially, like a, like a horse wrangler. Like, he's not, you know, he didn't go to college. Like, you know, the movie never spent well, any well, time they, on that. But they find a good balancing act there because, like, he's simple, but he's not stupid. No, exactly. He's very, he's very, he's very much his father's son. And, like, his dad probably was very wise, even though some of the things you hear him say are like, all right, I get why, why they have a, the three of them have a complicated relationship. But they, they, yeah, their 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 language in the movie, I feel like, is a lot more based. I don't, I don't know, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but I feel like I know what you're, I know what you're to some degree. At. Also, I his th- skill is is at these very, and also that's a thing that that so few movies do well. You know, if you want to get into what's, you know, his social criticism and what makes Jordan Peele such an important filmmaker is that, you know, there's a there's a dearth of black filmmakers to begin with. You know, and, and movies centered around predominantly or entirely black casts are even more rare. And when they are, they're often stereotypes, you know, and, and he's probably the best in the business at avoiding those or even with Get Out commentating on them. Yeah. So I think, you know, indivi- in, not all of the movie by any stretch, but individual scenes or lines that just kind of sound like they could be written by whatever were the slight letdown. Like I, I can think of one specific argument where they have where they just – it doesn't sound like his dialogue, if that makes sense. And he's only three films in, so I don't know that that's fair to put on him yet. But there's a there's a scene where I think it's her where she's yelling at him and, and she, she calls him the N word, and it just seems so simple compared to what he what he would do in his other two films. And maybe that's part of the plan. Maybe that also is like I want these to be much more of your average American because they're caught up in something bigger. You know the. As the things have gotten bigger in these movies, maybe he wants the people to be slightly smaller, so it's a scale difference. But I don't know. It's it's not a great criticism because I just it rubbed me strangely. But I was curious if you noticed that as well. And it sounds like you kind of did. Yeah, I would say so. Or like the bit where they're talking about like, oh, that was supposed to be my horse, and like, but Dad wouldn't let me. Like that whole thing is like, I don't know. It, in in an earlier film, the writing there would have felt a little sharper, or at least had a bit more personality to it. Where here, it felt a little functional 
Well, that's what it is. It's functional. So many of those are like, okay, we need an argument between them, and they need to be a little nastier to each other than they have been previously. Yeah. And there's not more to it. Or, um, honestly, the um, angel is kind of just dumb. Like, he's funny, but he doesn't serve a bigger purpose. Well, yeah. I mean, he's the tech guy. He's supplying the uh, both the uh, the equipment and the enthusiasm. I actually thought he was pretty good. I He kind of fades like into the fine. background just, as the movie goes along. But I think he, he's one of those ones where if you if you didn't have him and you had more with them, that would have been to its benefit. Or like, obviously, Michael Wincott comes in and steals a scene or two, but it's it's also a movie that could use more time with our characters and then you kind of reintroduce a person with like 20 minutes to go. And that's a strange choice. Um, Though I will say when the things it does well, as we sort of wrap up, it does incredibly well. Don't, don't forget any of that. I I think oddly, maybe the most effective scene is in the barn where he's sort of like duped by the Stephen Yoon's kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The buildup on that is fantastic. Did you get it? Did your audience give a good like, nope, 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 nope. When oh, like yeah. the thing happened. Well, I was yeah. I was right there. Part of part of it. Cause you see them and you can't quite make them out, but you see them moving and like unnaturally it's like, Oh, so that was really good. And then like the payoff there, that's one of the scenes I was talking about where they're blending the, the horror and the humor really effectively. Yeah. Oh no, the fun, the movie is funny and it, and also, it is, I think I really like the most fun of the three. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think also like one of the best fake jump scares I've ever seen is the bit where Angel's in the um uh he's like watching the monitors and you see someone yeah. like coming in the distance behind him and there's like a musical sting that's like, oh, is somebody gonna get him? But then like it dies down and you see, oh, it's just his coworker. But then she yeah, he, like says hi and he's st- and he still has the jump scare, even though we already yeah. know it's nothing. I, I thought that oh, was yeah, just uh... so well done. It's just funny because it's Barbie Ferrer from uh, Euphoria. And you're like, oh, she's going to serve a bigger person. Nope. She's in that one scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. In and out. She, uh, t- yeah. She's just there to be like, oh, you're you're spying on someone. That's weird. <laughs> um, but at the same time, she's like invested in what happens to the quote unquote characters by the end of it. Yeah. Which is that's one of those things. Where it's like, OK, I, I see what you're doing. You're just another layer on of like, oh, I want to watch the show, the spectacle and 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 great, but also, what else are you doing besides that? Like, I feel like maybe because he's there's there's kind of like one main theme here that gets layered on, layered on, layered on. It it's maybe a little less effective. I can see I that. Uh, two two quick uh, points of interest before we wrap up. One, um, you know, Keith David, you know. I thought he might serve a bigger purpose, but yeah, he's he's no, really I, I, I most of his screen time that. is before the title hits. Um, yeah, I told you that going in. But what I thought was interesting, and I especially picked up on it the second time, is that Daniel Kaluuya is doing a really good job of sort of because Keith David has some very distinctive cadences in the way he delivers yes. his lines, and I think Kaluuya is doing a fantastic job of sort of replicating that, and like like he's very believably keith david's son even though we barely get any keith david in the movie so i just thought that was kind of cool and interesting um i did have one question i wanted to ask you sort of as it relates to the end what did you think about the aliens final form as it were oh when it's like big when it's like a big like like billowy like balloon balloon cloud sheet looking thing it was all right it's it i mean yeah it looks like a giant like i i heard very when I was leaving the hill, 
someone called it like a giant sperm, and I thought that was pretty funny. Though, you know, it's it's unique. I've never seen that before. The alien, not sperm. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that I gained anything from, like, shape-shifting, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Like, I kind of like that it was, hey, guess what? UFOs are just aliens. Like, if that was the, like, the hook, even though it, it makes no you know, claim that that's anything but this one particular thing. But it would be kind of funny if it's like, oh, you know, all these like UFO things we've seen over the years, it's just what aliens look like. And they're just like animals and they happen to drift into our, you know, our area as opposed to wherever they, they normally hang out. And yeah, it, it was interesting, but I don't know what it served besides like, by the way, spectacle, which goes yeah. back to the- Well, because it kind thing. of, because some parts of the alien- because, you know, we don't get much backstory or where it came from or anything. But that was something I didn't particularly like it because I thought it was kind of shapeless and sort of noncommittal. Um, it was just like kind of a big floating Rorschach test or something. Because um, yeah, it has it has a, a very like drapey look to it in its initial and like main form. Well, and everything it, is kind of like. It's weird Tendy. because it looks like it's perpetually in the process of transforming into something else, like some yeah. other final form that we never see. But I think it's at its most effective, both visually and sort of creepily, when it is just that classic flying saucer shape. And I almost yeah. wish they had just sort of stuck with that. And, you know, you can give it like teeth or something in the ring or something. I well, don't know. They didn't, yeah, because instead they didn't really do teeth. They did like the, the square popping up that kind of like looks like a balloon. Like it just has that like billowing balloon like putting up a tent for like the carnival feel to it everything feels like yeah which I, that I, material I is what it's made of i appreciate yeah. that but i also just i don't know aesthetically i wasn't too into it i also thought no. both the because it's clearly got like in the opening credits you sort of see what you eventually realize is sort of down its i guess gullet or whatever is very much sort of, you know, replicating, you know, the viewfinder of uh, a movie camera, which, you know, it then yeah. goes into the the clip of the the uh, the black man on a horse. And then um, stuff like that, or the fact that you could argue it's shaped like an eye. And then there was the whole thing about like, oh, don't look at it. And it won't see, like a T-Rex logic, like don't look yeah. at it, it won't see you. That felt a little half-baked to me. That was one it of those just, like- It just needed, it, it needed a weakness. But- it wasn't even really a weakness because they didn't defeat it using that. They defeated it with the balloon. Yeah. I mean, which, which is yeah. a callback to the Gordy thing. And that aspect of it totally works. And in a roundabout sure. way that does, you know, that is also something that Steven Yoon's character brought to it, which is, you know, it all, the finale does happen in Jupiter's claim and it's the balloon version of his kid character that he played that he was trying to hold on to that success from uh that ultimately defeats it but um i don't know well, it's it, just thing. the whole like so oh we can get by we just have to not look at it yeah it's like that's that was the only element that i thought was laid on a little too thick sure. i think a good summary of the movie is that no matter what we're talking about it comes back to oh the metaphor and then oh this ties back into the metaphor like so much of it ties back in and does end up being about commodification and spectacle and how we treat animals how how you know the industry treats what it sees as lesser um that maybe if that was a little more compartmentalized it would have been a, a more fully like out and out great experience but also it, it i mean it's doing what he wants it to do it's generating like 
conversation upon conversation. Well, yeah, I mean, so regardless of what you think about it, like the fact that we've just spent the past 40 minutes or whatever talking about it in depth, like there's a lot to it considering how straightforward it is. And the fact yeah, that it can engender such conversation is in and of itself already a big win. Exactly. It's an original movie. It's a financially successful movie. It's a summer like blockbuster that's not based on anything. Like I'm in like every two or three years do one of these. We're, we're, we're happy to have it, but you know, that's, I, I think the, the expectation now is that he's going to do something mind blowing. And I, I almost wonder what this would have been like if it was a second film as opposed to us. Like us is, is weirder on purpose. I think to make sure you don't go in, expect and get out. And Nope is kind of a reaction to that. I think he does react to his films in a way while also, like I said, going in maybe the direction he wants to go with his stuff. And, and I'm just, it'll be interesting to see where it goes because I could definitely see there being a tenant in his future where it's like, oh God, like more of this is not working than I was expecting, but also could easily, you know, do like a, like a Dunkirk or just to do like the Nolan comparison of like, okay, the things you, you do and are interested in are here, but you've taken this like potentially very dry genre and, and given it some life. Like if he, whatever he's choosing to do, I'm interested in, but you know, there is a, his story has not yet been written. Yeah, very much so. No, I think, yeah. listen, he's a phenomenal talent. I can't wait to see what he does next. I think his he will be given, he's getting closer to the point where, like, financially and critically, he hasn't had anything close to a miss yet. So I think, yeah. you know, people keep saying, oh, he'll be- Twilight Zone is the closest thing, right? On TV? Yeah, but, but that's- indi- Vague indifference. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that's a, no, a, mar- that was, a blemish in any way. No, that was more like a lark. Um, but I think, you know, more and more so he's going to be given bigger budgets to do whatever he wants with them. And people keep saying, oh, you know, he should do this franchise or, you know, do a remake of this. Nah, just have him keep he's doing not. whatever original thing he wants to do. That's all I'm interested in. I want to see what I mean, he wants to do. I mean, he was potentially going to do a Kira at one point, right? Yeah, which and there's the homage to that in the motorcycle shot. But even something like Twilight Zone or Candyman, he's more producing that kind of stuff for like co-writing than he is directing it. I think for his directorial yeah. efforts, it's going to be something that like, you know, whether it be a genre or, you know, using something as a pretense for something else. You know, I think he's he's very much interested in film as a medium and what he can bring to it. And I'm excited 100%. to see what comes next. Excellent. All right. Well, we've we've gone pretty long, so let's uh, let's wrap up. And um, I asked this periodically, but now I want to do it again because um, we're post nope. So once you say where you could be followed, um, who? What's the next big film for you? Like, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Because nope, I think was the answer for a while, right? Uh, well, it's been three thousand years of longing most times, but I'll find something yeah, else. But yeah, we're. I, I mean, I've also done my best to move you down on that a little bit uh, but yeah say you know say the next big thing you're looking forward to besides 3,000 years of longing and also um, for Jordan Peele's next film tell me who's going to come back from one of his prior films for the next one and tell me if there's someone you would cast for his film because he seems to have like one of the two main people is a returning player yeah and someone else is a new a new you know friend so how would you how would you do that for uh, Jordan Peele number four Okay. 
Uh, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, uh, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Check out my writing on Awards Radar and Looper. And uh, for Peel's next, I could see him reuniting with both Kiki Palmer and or Winston Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as something I'm looking forward to that's not 3,000 Years of Longing, if I go down the uh, release schedule a little bit, I'll tell you what the next like big one sort of after that would probably be is uh, The Woman King. That got a, mm-hmm. a trailer a couple weeks ago, and it looks awesome. So to speak, going back to Black Panther, it's almost like it's an R-rated Dora Milaje movie that has no connection to Marvel. And I know it's based on yeah. something historical and uh, not to dis, but just those characters are so cool. And it's very much a very similar sort of register. But I, I think that one looks pretty epic. Oh, and also a new sure. actor um, going back to Peel. Uh, I know John Boyega has been talking up recently that he would love to do a Peel film. And I think that would actually be a really good pairing. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, you can find me at Joey Magazine on the various channels, awards radars on several of those things. Uh, I probably have mentioned this one again, but because I probably will hopefully be seeing it at the film festival in a month or so, uh, the whale, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful for the whale as we start to zero in on, on the films that will probably be actually coming out this year. Um, which we didn't really talk about it, but, uh, apparently killers of the flower moon is not going to be coming out this year. Was it ever? That's a whole other thing. When we know for sure, for sure, we'll, we'll talk more about it and we'll do more of like a prediction check-in probably like next month. So not ignoring it, but just not a huge concern right now. Pain in my ass that I had to take it out of like 20 categories, but that's my cross to bear. Um, but the whale, especially we got a picture and like he does look very good. He doesn't look cartoonish. He just looks like a big dude. And I mean, I didn't doubt that, but I think that was the one kind of like, I hope he doesn't look like a, like a, like if Homer was a human being kind of thing, yeah. that would be, it would be, it wouldn't work then. No, it looks very believable. Yeah. I'm very excited for that one as well. Um, I, I hope they do justice to the play. Sure. We will, we will see. And, uh, uh, I'm going to say probably someone from us. Cause it seems like every other, like, cause Daniel Kaluuya took one off in between. Yeah. Uh, Lupita would be a good choice. Like, bang, I don't know the plot, you know? So, well, depends on what they have. We didn't know the but. nope plot until it came out. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of us, I remember there being like, oh, it's probably like a mad scientist because it looks like there's almost like a flying a kite type situation. Sure. Or like we thought like, oh, the aliens are already among us kind of thing or nope. Not yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the people who are like, oh, nope stands for not off planet Earth. I'm like, well, you're not wrong. It just doesn't play in in any notable way. No. Well, and it's you know, I, I think I saw an interview with them or something. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a fun thing that's gone around. But no, that's that's not intentional. It's just. <laughs> yeah, it's just nope. <laughs> Speaking of which, I thought for sure they were going to say it more often. It's really only like two, maybe three times that Kaluuya says it. But outside of that, it's I thought it. I mean, in the scene that we both like so much, I believe he says nope, right? Well, the one one of my favorites is where he's like right under it. And like, you know, there's the rain sort of around him and he sort of like cracks open the car door and he looks up and there's the lightning and there's like you see the thing and the thing and he's just like, nope. (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple of times I do that. And that that was great. Um, As for a new person. Um, it depends. So much is dependent on the story. I know I asked the questions, so I screwed myself up. But you know, 
he he gets pretty big stars, but he gets sort of he's at his best. It seems when he has someone who's having a moment kind of thing. Sure. So like maybe maybe Brendan Fraser. I don't know. Yeah. So much, or you know, I, it depends on the pairing. I mean, he he does seem to also like a a diverse cast. Yeah. I mean, us obviously was was very sort of clearly designed to have the the white family and the African American family because of the the difference. You know, like that that was played very clearly into that. Um, you know, Get Out. You need and and this one I think was very interesting that there's that um, you know there there's a wider range within the film, sort of like because it's a bigger premise. I like the idea that it has sort of like everyone in it. Which is a small thing. It's not like the end of the world when you don't, but it is always nice when a <clears throat> when a film recognizes that there's more than one type of person in the world. Yeah, especially totally. he's building out these worlds. So I, I don't know. Like Michael Pena was another name I thought of. Oh, that would be good. You know who I just thought of who is in us, but in a very, very small role is um Yaya Abdul Mateen the second, who's a much bigger sure. actor now than when he was in that. And obviously they technically did Candyman together, but I think I think that would be a cool pairing too. Sure. Um, we shall see. Um, more next week. Um, what, is there anything notable that we'll be talking about next week off the top of your head? Uh, well, I'm not seeing that fucking Super Pets thing. So uh, I don't think I'm seeing it. I'll have seen Vengeance. Maybe uh, you'll see it. I mean, I might, I might, I might have time all, to see Vengeance. Yeah. yeah. Everything Everywhere All Once is coming back to theaters with like outtakes, which is a weird thing. I don't know that I need bloopers in my movie about that, but you know, I'll probably um, do it. I'll probably see it. You know what? You know what I think you'll probably end up seeing? Resurrection, if, if you have the ability to. The uh, I don't Tim know Roth, that Rebecca it's going to be near me because it's a little bit small, but I would like to see it for sure. Maybe I'll yeah. double feature that and finally catch up on uh, The Night House. Fair. Um, and then we will be able to talk about um, – I will have seen Bullet Train. Oh, nice. And I've seen Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So we'll just talk about that a little bit next week and then more. Once you've seen it, because you're probably opening weekend on Bodies, 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 right? Probably, unless I've got something else going on. I'd like to see that one. Fair enough. All right, cool. Um, And then some other stuff that I just don't want to talk about yet as we get closer and closer to episode 100. So let me know if there's anything you guys want from that. Otherwise, we'll kind of just do a, a look back episode. But TBD there. All right. In the meantime, thank you all for listening. Stay safe. Don't get the COVID because God knows everyone else has. And uh, we will see you at the movies. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. 